0: Thanks. Anything any you find by you, you can, can see
1: Can you hear me? Welcome to I High Spirits. Oh, another day's welcome coming home. What do you want me to do? to see you through. That was a little bit of American beauty there. Welcome to High Spirits. We are starting almost on time today. High Spirits, uh, your show that's ostensibly about sobriety. and What what, what was that word? Sobriety? The one
2: before it. Ostensibly. (laughs) What, What does that mean?
1: Like... Presumably, uh, uh what, what are you, it, what are you, a lawyer or something? Presumably, or presumably gonna, what, what's the other word? Ostensibly, apparently, it's apparently.
2: You're going to talk to us with 25 cent words tonight, is that it?
1: My co-host is here, uh, want to introduce yourself? Uh, my name is Pegasus. Pegasus, that's what, all right, Pegasus, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Pegasus, I'm your co-host along with Pegasus. My name is uh, Jay Quellen, forgot for a second. You're here, you've joined us on High Spirits on FM. Sup, Jay. What's up, P? Um, it's just us in the studio today, which is actually a change of pace.
2: Not such a bad thing.
1: I think it's, uh, yeah, it's a good opportunity to just riff, and uh, Pegasus and I, we ain't seen each other for a while, uh, a.k.a. a couple days. Um, a.k.a. uh, Yeah, so... um, We got a lot of catching up to do. Plus, we got this awesome packed show for y'all, and, yeah, we're gonna... I have some ideas of... Uh, some conversational things. I'll throw them out there. Just things that have been going on. And wanted to check in on <clears throat> some stuff I was up to uh, in the Tenderloin today. Uh oh. And some observations there. Um, so, yeah, that's what's going on. Groovy. Such a long, long time. Just uh, to be gone. in a short time, we'll be there.
2: I never took you for a Grateful Dead fan. Oh, yeah, Deadhead. Did you go to concerts and nope. wear tie-dye and drop acid? And-
1: I have one Grateful Dead t-shirt that I bought on Valencia Street at San Fran Cycle. Get out there, y'all. San Fran Cycle. Support it if it's still in business. I don't even know if it's San still in Francisco. business. San Fran San Fran in this case. Yes, there's San Fran too, which I think is uh, like a clothing brand or something that also made a beer in conjunction with uh, the brewery uh, Anchor Steam.
2: Yeah, it's like one of those Dolores Park kind of, you know, t-shirt places. Like,
1: oh, okay. Yeah, San, Fran- with San Francisco is on Dolores, uh, on Valencia around 20th Street, I think. It's near the Chrome uh, retail store, and they... Design and produce all their shirts in San Francisco, and they're all about bicycle themes, so The dead shirt that I have that I love to wear is uh, Has a has a bicycle wheel with its spokes in the in the head the the, the Skull in the skull whoa, so um, they make all kinds of bike related apparel they even have apparel for like babies and two-year-olds and stuff
2: Um, I mean, are babies old enough to, you know, properly make that decision? Or are they being indoctrinated into the life of a deadhead?
1: Ak-tung, baby. (laughs) Homage to those of you who listen to a certain podcast. Um, Pegasus, wait, what?
2: What? What
1: did you say? What, what? Homage to babies, or? I have no idea what you're talking about. all right. So San Francisco psycho, cycle, but, um, yeah, I love the dead, and uh, I think we talked about this, uh, yeah, we talked about it a couple of shows ago, that there is a community of sober uh, deadheads that emerged right when the band, you know, was doing their thing, having all these concerts and all the followers and stuff, and they're they're called the Wharf Rats, and they have a sober corner, sober circle at every show, and they have their own meeting in San Francisco, actually. Um, I've so, been, have you? Oh, yeah, I... I I have actually, well, I can say that I actually spoke it at it once. That was the first time I ever went. Nice. And I, and I did go again and very friendly and a lot of dead tattoos and stuff like that. Um, so interesting. Yeah. If you're. And some of that old time religion. Oh yeah. But this is like, like the dead <laughs> religion, um, the religion of the dead. Yeah. People are like, uh, I'm a wharf rat. you know, this and that. I, I think it's cool. It's, it's cool. Um, there's also oh that's that's a topic um that relates to something that i was talking to my sister about the other day or she brought it up she sent me an email um actually let me sit down um give give us a second folks i'm gonna put some music on while i get a chair here get back to the dead friend of the devil First
0: one say she got my child, but it don't look like me. I sit out and runnin', but I take my time. A friend of devil is a friend of mine. I get home before daylight, just might get some sleep tonight.
1: Hey y'all! We're coming back at ya. There we go. Sitting down.
2: You control it from there, also.
1: Sitting down. Learning the, learning the mixer from Pegasus, who, is, has a very high aptitude, for the sound. Stuff, in here.
2: It. Yeah, it all stems from Dane Bramage.
1: <laughs> cool. So, uh, all right, welcome to High Spirits, 10, 11 p.m. If you're up this late and listening to us, uh, I don't know what you're what you're doing on a Friday night, you know? Well, hopefully you're uh, stone-cold sober, had a nice dinner, but maybe you plan to go out dancing, you know, at the midway or something like that after midnight. I don't know what y'all night owls are up to, but speaking of night owls, I did, I was sort of thinking about Pegasus, about uh, sharing today a little bit about um, all the kinds of uh, fun things that I slash you slash we do and that people can get up to um, in the mission, you know, that... Where, you know, I'm not I'm not drinking anymore and I have so much fun. I've my uh my whole uh sort of social life is really the gravity has been the mission district for fifteen years, basically, whether or not I lived in San Francisco and still come out every weekend when I lived in other parts of the Bay Area. So I was just thinking about how much fun I've been having at different places, venues, um, spots, restaurants, and with friends in the mission. So I was just sort of thinking about, hey, well, I'm having all this fun not drinking, you know? It's a place that one can go. I mean, I spend
2: 98% of my non-home, non-work time at in the mission. Um, yeah, exactly. There you go. I go to meetings there. I meet friends for food and coffee there. It's... Uh, there's a lot of the entertainment I go to. I, I go to the Roxy, Alamo Draft House, uh, various other cultural institutions, and it's all right there. Um, my neighborhood, not as much attraction there, so I'm I'm here all the time. It's great. It's the um, heart of San Francisco,
1: and <clears throat> sort of, I suppose, a little bit on the edge. Maybe a little right off the edge of the mission. Um, Speaking of like night owls and getting up to fun stuff. Last night, I was up late and needed to just sort of felt like I needed to eat something, even though I don't even know if I was really that hungry. That's first world problems. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was, you know, there's no late night eats in San Francisco. There's nowhere to go. I mean, it's un- completely unsurprising when a restaurant
2: closes its door at, at 9 p.m. Uh,
1: yeah, exactly. You guys know, right? Unless you're in Australia or something. Yeah. Um, or Mozambique. But, uh, yeah, stuff closes really early. You know, really what I recommend to people would be Beretta um, at, I think, 23rd in Valencia or Nopa, which is open, or Che Mama. And those places close like uh, maybe... 11 midnight one o'clock two o'clock depending on the uh, the day like thursday friday saturday or which restaurant but definitely open much later than your typical restaurant and the quality of food there is very high so it's not like going for some junky pizza or uh, you know no offense to taquerias but i've eaten <clears throat> tons and tons and tons but uh <clears throat> those are always good spots too good value But I did discover this place. I wonder if you know it, Pegasus. It's called It's Tops Coffee House. It's Tops.
2: It's on Market Street.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Have you been there? Oh, many times. Oh, there you go. I mean, it's my new jam. I mean, well, I hope it's my new jam. Like with, I suppose, really like my one friend who I would be hanging out with late at night, bullshitting, looking for a donut shop, like we would we would be going to bobs or happy donuts happy donuts is depressing af bobs is great but it's not really a place to like hang out um but this it's tops place yeah i've driven by it for many many times and i didn't know what it was and i went in it's a beautiful little diner um and uh yeah so yeah. i got i got some of the ba- best pancakes that i've ever had in my life honestly i mean it's a Pan- great breakfast place for sure. All all night breakfast. Um, Old school. It was eggs, o- eggs over yeah. easy sausage. Okay, there you go. Yeah, I had a malted vanilla shake and pancakes. Yeah, that's me, guys. <laughs> um, I do not cook, but uh, it was super tasty. The service was real great. Nobody was in there. Uh, they were just just uh, flipping tiddlywinks, and um, they're they're open till all they hours. Said aren't a. M. They said three a.m. last night but i think on the weekend weekends i think they're open super late and they said they get really busy when the bars close yeah um but you know really good reviews and uh my my gut tells me that the food quality is pretty high for the greasy spoon um so i'm definitely gonna go back but uh it's top's I was just cruising around, everything was dead, and I suppose on a Thursday night at 1.30, I mean, even the, yeah, the bars are closing, so there's really nothing to do. Nope,
2: except uh, go out for pancakes.
1: Go on out a, for pancakes. On a Friday um, night. Yeah. Um, but uh, back to uh, the dead wharf rats thing, um, that group that we have, that we talked about briefly before. Um that is, as I mentioned, the Wharf Rats are the a sober um, community of of deadheads, and uh, my sister sent me a really interesting email about uh, straight edge. Pegasus, do you know about straight edge? Just the term, or is there a group? Yeah, it's yeah. Well. Yeah, tell me. I mean, so there's a term. What is straight edge invoke for you? What does it mean? To, what do you think it means, or what does it mean to you? Or have you used it? Or has anybody ever called you straight edge? Yeah, I've mostly
2: heard it um, from you know people in their teens or twenties who had uh, you know had a bad experience with drugs or alcohol, kind of crashed, and you know got in trouble with their family or the police or both, and then they. I I didn't really I wasn't really aware of You know Programs at the time So All I just know Is that they kind of like Made a vow to themselves To be straight edge To be sober Oh yeah yeah And and you know like They would make jokes about You know Etching the word straight edge On their Their forehead or something To remind themselves Oh yeah So you do Okay It's like a really hardcore Kind of associated with the With the punk scene But I, I hung out with Okay You know in the
1: punk scene That's it You hit the nail on the head That's what Uh she sent me information about Straight Edge, um, where it came from, connection to the punk scene. so uh, <clears throat> Straight Edge, uh, sometimes signified by XXX or X, is a subculture originated from hardcore punk oh, huh. whose adherents refrain from using alcohol, tobacco, and other recreational drugs in reaction to the excesses of punk culture, subculture, just like the wharf rats i think in the dead culture i wonder what other musical communities like maybe the classical music community has (laughs) has a subculture of uh, acid trippers you know right like in response to how sober and stuffy all the classical music listeners are i could totally be wrong if you're a classical music listener and you're wild and you have insights please call us at 415-550-0511 set me straight uh you don't have to implicate Pegasus in this judgment. Um, cla- I do think classical music people are so straight edge. I, I think you will discover soon that that you are completely wrong. So uh, just the, the final thing is the term itself straight edge. I had no idea um, was adopted from the 1981 song Straight Edge by hardcore punk band Minor Threat. Maybe we can oh, yeah. throw it on. Um, and wait, wait yeah, why am I wearing tonight? Oh yeah, what are you? Minor Threat. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> this is insane. That's a, hey, that's a coincidence God if I've ever seen <laughs> oh, one. No, that's oh, a God no. shot, if I've ever oh, seen one. No, don't what good her. orderly <laughs> direction? Um, <laughs> that is unreal. Pegasus is wearing a t-shirt with funk punk bands, including Minor Threat. Minor Threat. I'm blown away. Um, oh, yeah. Could we queue up the the song? Um, any at some point, like. It doesn't have to be now, but just be good to have a musical interlude at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we'll play it when we take a break uh, at at your discretion. Sure. Minor threat. Um, San Fran cycle, Grateful Dead, Bicycle Spoke T-shirts, and my co-host Pegasus wearing the Minor Threat shirt as we're discussing the straight edge movement. So (laughs) they coined the term straight edge and growing up. Yeah, people talked about it in, in grade school, middle school, probably more in middle school and high school. Like, oh, you're such a straight edge or um, really like that people calling me straight edge. And I was a prep preppy guy, you know, um, I was straight edge. But I I, I did listen to um, some mainstream punk music. Um, hey, does anybody remember the album Punks and Drublick? I don't even know if punk people consider that a punk punk band. Um and, uh, but, uh, yeah, so people called me straight edge cause I tucked in my sweaters and I got straight A's, but I had no idea no one ever intimated or, or suggested to me, my peers that straight edge came from, uh, was a punk subculture of sobriety. I didn't even know it was associated with sobriety. I thought it was like, like get being a goody two shoes.
2: Well, I would say that in addition to, you know, being all fuck you to authority and, and society in general, they were probably also fuck you to the sober community of Alcoholics Anonymous. You think so? Yeah, because that, that would also be too, you know, goody two shoes and square to them. So they had to pick their own name for it Yeah, and they, they it had to be punk. It had to be, you know, fucked up in some way. Um, you know, like, like, you had to be completely straight edge, and if you even smoked, you know, took a puff off of a friend's cigarette, um, you you had broken your your straight edge.
1: Yeah, actually, run. to to that point, there was a counter counter movement that emerged called bent edge, oh. and bent edge is that person who felt it was okay in the punk scene of straight edge subculture to um, take that drag off the cigarette. Take that occasional puff. Also, I just wanted to mention that there was a strong association with um, the subculture of straight edge, even with you know participants or adherence to vegetarianism and animal rights and veganism and stuff like that. So that was fascinating to me. You know, I think of punks. I mean, I have some familiarity with the music or I had some friends who were maybe into that scene. Um, I can't really say that I'm too expert at it but i do somehow associate punks with like skinheads and intolerance and i don't know why that is where does that come from american history x is that where i saw that yo yeah, or... well, fuck you yeah um but i love i mean there's uh, yeah there's been great punk music that i've heard such as bad brains american history x came for a pretty long
2: time after the punk what movement, was the sex
1: pistols it? punk
2: uh, Sex Pistols. Um, oh, the Ramones. The Ramones. Uh, yeah. No. I mean, technically, yeah. They're, they're kind Jackie's of pop Jackie's a punk.
1: Judy's a punk. Uh, da, 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 da. They even say punk.
2: They, <laughs> they're pretty pop music. Okay. Uh, That's compared, what it is. Compared with is, like um, hardcore punk.
1: Is Blink 182 punk? What? <laughs> is, uh, fuck you, uh, man. Rancid is punk, right? Uh, yeah. Not really... Oh, jeez. Never really checked them out. Have I been living a lie? (laughs) <laughs> a big
2: straight edge lie Punk existed from like I don't know The mid 70s Until like 1981 or 82 And everything that came after that They're all oh, posers
1: Oh post punk They're
2: posers They're You know like Green Day Come on That's just a rock band That's
1: posing Well that's alternate, Alternative Alternative
2: <laughs> You wouldn't believe How many people have said Oh yeah I'm into punk I listen to Green
1: Day And, and Offspring like, Fuck too. Fuck you I think people would say Offspring They're like Oh yeah But that reminded me of yeah so so basically the other runts in the litter the other kids I was growing up with like the skaters and stuff who called me well they're not the only ones who called me straight edge but it was it was wrong it was it was hey, not he was not used correctly because I'm not in the punk scene so I was getting called straight edge for no good reason
2: maybe they're just kind of generalizing it yeah. to to say that you looked straight
1: oh yeah a lgbtqr code um (laughs) as opposed to oh boy that's the whole thing i listened to uh the new dave chappelle netflix special which i think is like people i think have found it to be very controversial and offensive uh and i will say that i really enjoyed it and there is a whole thing about the LGBTQ community and stuff like that. And I went down the rabbit hole of like, what do all the letters mean? And um, then I discovered that today, the most comprehensive thing that I saw was plus. That was the most, that's currently the most comprehensive. Most
2: inclusive. Um,
1: yes, before, you know, let's say it was just G or something, right, or Q. And here's what I learned. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, um, queer or questioning, QQ. People have been um, using just the one Q and meaning questioning or meaning queer. This is what I read. And um, anecdotally from other people that I know. So QQ, double Q, double Q. I is intersex mm-hmm. and A is asexual and the other A is something else. But, oh man, in that I'm not including some other things such as pansexual, panromantic, aromantic. There's so much stuff. I saw somebody on um, Hinge the uh, today that came up uh, and... Um, there was something new and and very timely uh, having researched this uh, the uh, all this stuff post Dave Chappelle controversial comedy set um, where he talks about you know the LGBT community he says it's like the alphabet people or something like that anyways I wanted to get more educated on um, what they all mean and how people like self-identify and stuff like that well that's
2: cool That's that's a that's I think that's a smart thing to do I mean they're there it's hard to be right about it all the time but it's good to be just you know be open and uh have an open heart because um, you know a lot of people from communities of uh you know from the queer communities communities of color they're, they're they they do not feel welcome they don't feel like the the world is necessarily open to them and I think it's good to throw a little love their way and, you know.
1: Oh, yeah. The other, uh, one of the A's that's thrown in in the comprehensive one is ally. Asexual ally. ally. Hmm. I I was surprised. So that was thrown in the mix. And the plus is like for everything that hasn't come out yet or hasn't been covered. Um, And uh, I will say, so on the heels of that, Dave Chappelle, followed by going down the rabbit hole and learning about what the quote, you know, the community or the movement, you know, on the web is, uh, how, how they're representing themselves, um, maybe officially or branding or whatever. And then on the hinge profile, this person had a comment about a romantic pansexual. So this person was, um, you know, Said that they're looking for looking for love, a pansexual friendship, and an aromantic. I don't know, man. No attachments. I was confused. They
2: they want sex with everybody with no attachments. I don't know.
1: Good for them. No, no, no. They were ace. Okay, asexual, panromantic. I don't know. Anyways, so sue me, folks. Um. So, yeah. So yeah, lots of different things. And then on the, on that topic, you know, connecting it to sobriety, um, there is, uh, there are, uh, meetings, all kinds of meetings out there, men's meetings, women's meetings, um, young people's meetings. And we meant the aforementioned, uh, deadhead meetings, the wharf rats. And, uh, there's, uh, all kinds of meetings. Um, and Also, there are gay meetings and there's places where, um, people who are, you know, identify as gay or perhaps, you know, other members of the LGBTQ community have safe spaces and, and interest affinity groups around meetings. And I've gotten to attend, um, when I, when I was exploring the San Francisco scene, um, Meeting scene. I uh, I definitely put a lot of. I I, I went to um, um, one of the fellowships in the Castro and and uh, tried out all these different kinds of meetings, including uh, gay meetings, and it was cool. Yeah, it's not not in my repertoire these days, but did you wh- feel welcomed? Yeah, yeah. Over. I mean, my the short answer is yes. I think that um, and you know, I guess. I mean. I suppose, I mean, I identify, yeah, I identify pretty straight edge, (laughs) but, um, but yeah. um, That doesn't
2: mean what you think it means.
1: No. Yeah. (laughs) Um, we're just mixing malapropisms, just mixing stuff up, anachronisms, malapropisms, but, uh, I did overall. Yeah. I felt it was welcoming. I thought there was a lot of cool insights. I mean, dude, we're all, we're all human beings and, but, uh, of course there's unique stuff in, uh, different lifestyles and experiences and romance and all that kind of stuff. And I, there were definitely things where I didn't feel as, uh, didn't feel that some things were as relatable, but a lot, but I think mostly it was the kind of topics and things that came up were very familiar and relatable and it's all part of our broader community. So it's, you know, it's, it's just another meeting, but it's really cool that there are all these interest groups. In fact, um, yeah, well, Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, there's, there's
2: meetings for everybody, um, in this town, including, uh, well, AA is known for being very, uh, you know, very much about, Uh, having a higher power and there are meetings for people who don't have higher powers. And that's a good thing. Yeah. There's meetings in Spanish. There's meetings in, uh, there's a, I think there's a Croatian meeting. Um, or yeah. Uh, anyways, there, there are meetings in a variety of different languages. There's, um, meetings for people of color. There's meetings for, um, right, for gay folks, for lesbians, for people who want to meditate, for people who are Buddhist. Um, there's Refuge Recovery. There's Life Ring, oh, yeah, which is Smart Recovery, yeah. Smart Recovery, Life Ring, which is, I guess, sort of a cognitive <clears throat> behavioral therapy that comes with a workbook and stuff. And it's all there's a lot to choose from here. And that's really kind of remarkable. I yeah. guess it's what you'd expect yeah. in 2019. Oh, yeah that there's uh, just a lot to choose you know there's a, a, it's a big smorgasbord you don't have to go with the one size fits all aa um, you know prescription of you know go to traditional meetings and uh, you know and stick with that program you can choose what works for best for you and and you don't have to worry about whether other people will judge you for it cuz
1: you'll be doing your own thing um, thanks for sharing about all those. Yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, um, yeah, all the different ways I was, I just subjected one of my friends uh, to, well, my roommate, um, who's a good friend um, to just, I just was, we, well, we were in a discussion. Maybe I wasn't torturing him, but he he was a willing participant in, and like hours long discussion about recovery and the program and my experience and other people's experiences and just all kinds of stuff. And I mean, he's a normie and, uh, we've talked about that normal people are not addicts and alcoholics, (laughs) but, uh, and have like a healthy relationship or just a low key relationship with that stuff. But, um, so it was, uh, really in depth and actually, um, super cool. Some, some cool things came up, um, my mom says, do not repeat one thing too many times. Just make sure and remember, am I repeating myself? <laughs> that's... Um, she's listening. I think and... between the two of us, we've
2: <laughs> gone back and forth oh. over some of the same territory a few times. Oh,
1: yeah. that's what she's saying. Normies and Grateful Dead. Oh my God. She's such a, she's an avid listener and she's checking me right now. On...
2: One of these days, we're going to work up an agenda before we sit down in front yeah. of the microphones.
1: Yeah, we will. Um... And, but just wanted to, yeah, this is like a stream of consciousness today, but, um, yeah, today talked about, we got into talking about, you know, does it work for everyone? How does it work? What else is out there? <clears throat> so, yeah, I think, uh, my, I was talking about, uh, rehab became <laughs> a big point. A focal point of the conversation, and I was sharing with him about all this stuff I've learned anecdotally about rehab, and um, I don't have any experience with it, but inevitably, in the rooms and and in this journey, in this wonderful journey of sobriety and recovery, um, you people have had experiences in uh, rehab facilities, whether they are community-based or private organizations, you know, nonprofit, for-profit, whatever, and. Um, I definitely have, a, I have a mixed feelings about the industry and um, all the offerings out there. And I was expressing that and he was like, hey, you know what? A lot of what you're saying and talking about was, co- is covered in a, in one of the John Oliver, late night, uh, John Oliver, uh, you know, he has some show on HBO. Oh, right? He's
2: that guy with the, uh, the fake British accent yeah. who claims to be from Great
1: Britain. Yeah, I guess so. And was on an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, um, actually. Oh, is uh, that
2: show still produced?
1: I, I don't know. I think they did a season nine or eight. I don't know if it's going. they're going to come out with another season. but um, So John Oliver did a really great... I hope you guys, if anybody's listening out there, <laughs> I hope uh, you guys will go look up on YouTube... Just look up the keywords John Oliver rehab, and you know he he pulls all these um, stories from say Vice or uh, Frontline and all these interviews that other people have done, and he you know he's really it was a critique. I mean it's understatement to say that he was providing a very strong rebuke and critique of what is uh, an unregulated industry. So some of the fun facts he threw out was that there were 14,500 rehab centers across the United States. So, And that it's grown very rapidly over the last 10, 15 years. Um, And that the industry is a $35 billion industry in the country. Dude, we're totally missing out on this with what we know. Yeah, and um, <laughs> unfortunately, there are these traditions in, in the program that prohibit prohibit us, presumably, from making a profit off of, um, oh, Pegasus just passed me my LaCroix. And, by the way, thank you, Pegasus, for getting me tots and ketchup <laughs> from our favorite spot. And they're ex- especially crunchy, even though they're at room temperature now. Yeah. They're even crunchier than, than when they're hot out of the... Fryer. Well, that's because we dipped them in shellac before we brought them over. Oh, excellent! Lacquer, (laughs) lacquer. Oh, on that note, I got my first petty in my life, uh, in in uh, in the neighborhood. Oh. Last week when I was off for Labor Day weekend, Uh, I just mentioned that because I think they put a clear coat or shellac or something. On people's nails and I was like they asked me sort of with some trepidation and I was like uh no I don't think so I'm gonna just go with uh no no uh uh veneer or uh shiny whatever so what you're telling
2: us you went all the way to the brink and then you said no
1: went to the brink Jeez. Um, so 35 billion dollar industry and unregulated and they really focused on all the unsc- unscrupulous operators out there um citing they they invo- um showed us you could just got to go and watch it but uh advertising think, yeah
2: yeah we could play it but it's a 20 minute segment maybe if we oh, run yeah. out of things to do yeah we could play it towards the end
1: yeah yeah just the audio yeah yeah um for sure if we decide to end early, we can just play that as our outro mm-hmm. um but uh, I have a tater in my hand right now, and I really just don't want to stop talking and just eat it. I'm salivating but um i'll just I'll just say that uh the the rehab thing um it it confirmed a lot of stuff that I had learned or gleaned anecdotally from compatriots. And through um, work I've done, I think, you know, there's this whole thing called H&I, Hospitals and Institutions, and it's where you bring meetings into, not rehabs per se, I don't really know, maybe they do, but but to, no, actually, it's like to uh, veteran VA-run meetings, uh, state prisons, federal prisons, recovery homes that are related to um, maybe some government-related uh, diversion program or something like that. So, mm-hmm. anyways, um, uh, what he cited like all these interviews with all these people who came across as major douchebags that own these rehabs like in Malibu and L.A. and 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 that charge seventy thousand dollars one place. Uh, apparently, charges seventy thousand dollars per month. Yikes! <laughs> yeah, and offers like. You know, he was, he was poking fun at things like equine therapy, I don't know, hydrotherapy, um, you know, yoga, all this kind of stuff. I mean, you know, all this stuff, I'm sure he was saying so many things can be therapeutic, but are they coming from an evidence-based, you know, approach? Um, And, you know, that's a whole, perhaps a whole other topic because, you know. Are
2: you saying you would turn down a a hands-on prayer healing? Prayer healing? Would you? Uh, do they do that? I, I would assume it's out there. Having grown up uh, in a community that offered that sort of mm. thing, I'm, I'm, I would not be surprised to
1: find wow. that there's a rehab yeah, center sure, that, right.
2: that's faith-based.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, totally, totally, yeah, absolutely. Then let me Google that for you. They actually didn't talk about the uh, the faith-based side, but, but basically. They really, they really focused on these douchebags running these $70,000 rehabs. That's like
2: two and a half grand a day.
1: And I mean, that's, that's more expensive than my habit was. (laughs) Jeez, Dude. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. Um, and you know, they're talking about no standards, uh, no clinicians involved, um, no regulation. Also that you know, what are the motives? You know, there's a profit motive. Um, and that, you know, maybe even there's, a, there may be insidiousness in some rehabs to want people to relapse and come back and spend another thirty, forty thousand $40,000 on rehab. And it got me thinking about in this conversation with my roommate, what a desperate position that we're in, you know, and this ad comes on for a rehab and it says, why haven't you called us? Here's our toll-free number. You need to come here. We'll, we'll help you solve your um, alcohol and addiction problems. And, um, I mean, I was thinking, wow, what a desperate situation. If I was sitting there and I was just, just down and out, you know, I don't know, suicidal or crying or whatever, just hopeless. And I saw that and I called them and, like, I really don't know what I'm getting myself into. Um, and then... As a as an exercise, I was just thinking about um, how much money am I spending in the program? You know, right? Well, so <laughs> not, which... not a lot of money compared to seventy thousand dollars for thirty days. <laughs> and what I what I came up with? Okay, I, I, I will or won't go into the details, but okay, I'm just I'm just saying, somebody who came in and st- has has stayed or has is you know sober for thirty years. By my estimate, has spent a maximum of seventy-five hundred dollars <laughs> uh, through through uh, you know a seventh tradition of. I'm, I, here's what I was assuming: one dollar a meeting, five meetings a week, fifty weeks a year for thirty years, plus a ten-dollar big book. The big book costs ten dollars. Okay, but now I want to I want to have some caveats. I'm not saying that we're in an evidence-based, you know, program. And I have researched PubMed periodically to try to understand. Um, I don't really concern myself too much with it, but I am interested in in learning about, you know, um, you know, doctors refer people to AA, judges in courtrooms refer people to AA, rehabs refer people to AA, the Salvation Army refers people to AA, you know, and it's sort of like, you know, what is what else is out there? And it's like, um, I know I'm all over the place, but it was just very exciting. Therapy is super important. You know, it, oh sorry, it was important for me. I'll say that. Hmm. Um, cognitive behavioral therapy, anger management, um, mindfulness meditation, Vipassana specifically, um, AA. Um, all of this was like a full court press. I wasn't just doing one thing. And man, that shit saved my ass, you know? And yeah. Yeah, and therapy was a big big part of it. And I guess I would just through this whole conversation with my roommate and watching the John Oliver thing and thinking about the controversies that I feel in my heart about the rehab industry. Um and uh and you know again, hey, if any if anyone has experience with that and is listening to us or has any comments, you know, call us at 415-550-0511 and tell us about your rehab experiences. Maybe we should have somebody on um, that has rehab experience? I figure I've spent
2: about three grand over the past six years. Um, I, I tend to put a little, what, oh, like six, you're generous, three, like three or four bucks, uh, per meeting. Um, so I, I Googled, uh, re- faith-based rehab mm. and first the ads come up and, um, I won't call out the names of the centers, but I'll uh, I'll read some. Hey, of why their... not
1: free speech radio? No, it's your your choice. No, I don't want to yeah.
2: be connected. You know, oh, or have them calling us or it's not like Thank a, you. an endorsement or anything. You're
1: so right, Pegasus.
2: Yeah. So uh, get this on the, the very first ad. It says same day admission is possible. Drug and alcohol rehab center in somewhere in California. Our location and exclusiveness is hard to beat. Maximum of six clients per residence. What does that mean exactly? Six, six clients in a hacienda? Like, do you get your own separate... Oh, private rooms, cell and laptop friendly, licensed and accredited, whatever that means. Luxurious private rooms. Licensed nice.
1: and accredited? I wonder what that is.
2: Insurance verification form to fill oh, out. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: That's what John Oliver was talking about, too, is that he said that... I look forward to digging in, into all of this, but I'm taking him at his word, folks, right now. And... He said that under the Bush administration, that there was a lot of, I don't know if pressure is the right word, but policies instituted to get insurance companies to cover uh, rehab-related expenses, And, um, and then that was extended under Obama as well. This is what John Oliver said. So then he got into the whole thing about milking insurance or bilking insurance, and also he got into this whole thing about how much testing, urine cups, urine analysis makes for for rehabs. Um, there's this whole market with the testing companies, and they're oh, making yeah. a ton of money. And yeah, anyways, uh, it's yeah. absurd.
2: It's uh, a, like just to get P testing done here in San Francisco, it it can you know you can spend a hundred dollars. Wow, I, I think there's like bulk plans, but what's the the, for me, the greatest cliche that comes to mind when I think about rehab is is a, t- a television cliche, a trope of, you know, the the wealthy, uh, yeah, you know, kid from a family who's got his cell phone and he's ordering up coke and weed, you know, while while he's you know getting somebody else to pee in the cup for him and. You yeah know, some
1: laguna beach something totally
2: it's like a you know it's just sort of like a vacation, a free willing vacation for the wealthy
1: i, I do agree that that's like. a stereotype and a and a prominent media representation yeah
2: i mean i I imagine that there's people who go to a rehab and they get a lot from it like oh
1: yeah, I don't want to completely. Trash it, and I would love for somebody to call in and share about their positive or negative experiences. We
2: do meet a lot of people in meetings in the Bay Area who come from rehab centers, Mm -hmm. and there are a lot of, um, I think, state-funded rehab centers, and you know, like uh, insurance-funded, and so these are for people who couldn't afford seventy thousand dollars for thirty days of, of rehab. These are people who you know, desperately needed the help mm-hmm. and their Medi-Cal plan covered it or their, you know, whatever Ob- Obamacare insurance plan they had covered it. And and some of them show up and they get it. They get the idea of of, of sobriety and, and, you know, doing whatever particular program they're doing and they, you know, and they keep coming back and some of these people have stayed in for years. Um, oh, sure.
1: It's really nice. Yeah, it's sort of like, I think probably... I can only imagine that one thing, quote, we would say in the community is like, well, whatever brought you in and whatever's working for you, that's probably within um, some ethical guidelines and doing no harm to other people and improving yourself, like whatever works. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I was thinking that uh, I can only imagine that I, I, I'm just going to venture a guess that most of these rehabs or sober living experiences are twelve influenced by the 12-step programs or 12-step based, I mean, I've definitely seen that they encourage their clients, participants, members to go out to meetings, you know, get, get slips signed, things like that. So, so they are putting some faith in stock in the program. And I, I've also seen in my limited experience going in to do service work that, uh, there are counselors like LCSW's license, uh, something social workers, social workers. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, and MFTs and and <clears throat> other people who are encouraging that as well and offering I think counseling and therapy and other supportive services uh, yeah um. but I I also heard I mean I don't know I've just like I suppose that I have formulated this opinion this is my opinion um, based on whatever, information that I have that there is this dark side to it and I guess I mean I'm just yeah I'm just sharing about what's what where I'm coming from and I suppose I do have this kind of like I I could be wrong um but like this this militancy Pegasus (laughs) won't be surprised I think that's sort of like You got to just come into the program and keep your head down and do this thing. You don't need to go to rehab, whatever. I'm not going to share that. I'm not going to be, I don't want to be intolerant. I want to be loving and accepting. And, but that's somewhere in the back of my mind, if I'm completely honest, you know.
2: I think some people need a lockdown. They need to be locked down to to lose the access, the ready access.
1: That's a good point.
2: And in some of the programs, uh, I don't want to mention any names, but, you know, there's a couple of really prominent ones here in San Francisco, and uh, one of them, they do put you on lockdown for 30, sometimes 60 days, and, and, you know, no access to phones or the internet, Um, I think supervised access to the internet to send email to your family, Um, but no going outside, uh, you know, you're pretty much just confined to quarters, and then, you know, then they let you off it and boom, you can go out to meetings for a couple of hours. It's neat. Thing.
1: Right. Yeah. No, when you mentioned that, actually, I think to myself, like, I could definitely, I mean, even today <laughs> in my life or irrespective of sobriety, I could use a lockdown where I'm not glued to my phone. So <laughs> I, I see great benefits for that, uh, re- or- from recovery or otherwise about being present and connecting with what matters and not having distractions and not being around unsafe environments. So you make a good case there. Yeah.
2: Where's your willpower,
1: son? Oh, man. <laughs> I know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Whoever whoever, and wherever you are out there, you got to watch this John Oliver thing and Pegasus. You got to watch it uh, because he also has this hilarious ad from the 1980s with a very young Brandy Carlisle saying that she just – just quit i just quit and then he comments that like after the ad she was like on coke for 20 years <laughs> and, and was like i'm surprised i didn't lose my nose i'm just like horribly you know paraphrasing Ouch. or not so horribly paraphrasing john oliver's like i'm not even into his show but i love that cuz i love the topic but uh, yeah being on lockdown i can see that I mean, from my own personal experience i mean i do share on rare occasion that my ex my quote rehab type experience or lockdown experience was that my dad played the the biggest role um, I had a lot of support from some friends sisters some friends where I was and and definitely um, an inner circle sort of tight-knit group that was really helping me out when I hit bottom and tr- was trying to get my act together and um, in a very you know yeah desperate situation and had to really be yeah f- Yeah, anyways, but my dad was like the biggest part of that. And really, like my dad was my lockdown and rehab. He was like my warden. Um, He kept his eyes on me Mm 24-7 for, I think, a week to 10 days, maybe up to 10 days, 24-7. I mean, we slept in the same room. He chaperoned me to—he came—he took me to my first meet—my first uh, one, two, three, four meetings— and, uh, he didn't know anything about what was going on, but it was advised to us. So he brought me to that. I would go for a swim hydrotherapy. I was going for a <laughs> swim cause I love that. And he took me to the pool and stayed there. And he was just like, I'm not letting you out of my sight. And I suppose it was unspoken, but now learning about this condition and the solution and the problem, I look back and I think like, dude, I would have drunk. I would have drank, you know, Oh yeah. that was my yeah. rehab. You know, Uh, and we couldn't afford it. You know, he looked into it because he thought he might have to go back from work. He didn't know how much time he could take off from work to look out for me. mm -hmm. And so he did research it. And he was like, I think he found something that I don't know what the duration was, but it was like ten thousand dollars. And he's like, oh, dude, we can't afford that. (laughs) So so he's like, all right, I just talked to my boss and I got 10 days and 10 days off work. And then then we're going to figure out your stuff. And we did, and then I actually moved back home in with them, which was, that was my sober living environment because my parents don't really drink. Oh, your parents don't party. uh, They definitely don't. uh, They have never partied. (laughs) Really? Um, I mean, I think my dad in his youth, I shouldn't say that. My dad in his youth before like marriage and family, I'm sure he had fun like with his family, brothers, cousins, um, Mm -hmm. and you know. Uh, That kind of stuff, like maybe having some smokes, drinking, whatever. But but he like, yeah, I've never seen... I suppose I've seen him party at weddings, like enjoying dancing and stuff like that. But I'm not even sure that he would have been one drink deep at those weddings. So it was a really safe environment for me. So no, it's actually interesting musing about this topic that I think is controversial or this industry, because that was my equivalent. Oh, I see. Was sort of like my family... (laughs) Uh, looking out for me, bringing them back into the fold, into the home, and that was a safe environment. And I stayed there for quite a while. (laughs) Like, I was there for years. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I was at home for years. Uh. And maybe I probably could have left after a year, (laughs) But, but... Well, you took it seriously, it sounds like. Yeah, you know what? Your
2: family took it seriously. That's great that you have that kind of support. Not everyone everyone gets that.
1: No, that's true. I have to be grateful for it and absolutely true. You hear all kinds of horrendous situations that people have come from. And I just don't know how these people, the insurmountable odds, I don't know how these people are so courageous and get it and work hard and have that, you know, some people divine inspiration or self-inspiration or inspiration from your our fellows um you know people hit their bottom sometimes their
2: families have had enough of them and they ju- they're just like you're out get out of here and they realize oh i'm at the end of my rope i've got no no support no money no family i've got to figure something out here and so out of desperation people start getting it um you know that's basically the situation i was in is uh I uh, I had hit bottom and wasn't, um, uh, you know, I kind of made myself uh, un- undesirable uh, to family and friends, and so I <laughs> I needed to get uh, I needed to figure it out on my own, and I and I did, you know. Sometimes we do that too. How about a little musical interlude? How Is about this, a little uh, straight edge? Yeah, great. That's four, right?
1: Enjoy. Oh, hey, guys. Massive attack. Oh, wait, minor threat. Minor threat. <laughs> Massive attack or minor threat? Ooh. Okay. So uh, we're back. Thanks for listening to that. That is the origination of Straight Edge, and thanks to my sister for introducing me to that, and thanks to Pegasus for confirming, um, because Pegasus lived through that. I also just want to... <laughs> my mom is texting me. She loves the show. She listens to it. I, hopefully she's not our one and only listener, but I suppose that would be fine because she just said, in addition to do not repeat one thing too many times, um, she did say, love you tons, mom, but nice topic, both of you today. I admire the talk show. Very nice thumbs up emoji. Cool. Uh-huh. And she also said, this is like, I suppose emotional, or I have to be grateful. She said, it has been therapeutic for myself listening to you guys because i'm learning a lot about you know the serious topic that you guys are covering um so that's uh, i won't well, read, i won't read the rest of it ma. shout out to jay quillens ma
2: yeah that's Sh- cool shout out to stephanie Sh- oh shoot i'm blowing cover there oh uh, my god shout out to who uh, that was a shout out to model 167b or sorry, one six seven eight, and uh, shout out to um, Madison. Uh, shout out to Shadow Lady, Sh- Shadow Lady, and Bob. Bob, shout out to Bob. Bob, um, uh, uh, we're the only ones here tonight.
1: And shout out to my friend in Austin, if she's listening. If you are listening, just as we talked earlier, uh, you might not be. It might be too late. The number to call in, friend from Austin who we may identify if you call in at your discretion the number to call in is 415-550-0511 call us and uh, hey talk to us about uh your experiences with um with uh booze and the powdered booze and all that kind of stuff i think we're down if we are that's we for still the,
2: that's for the high fish wine.
1: Oh, interesting. But then I think you we lose us. Then we're now we're gone. No, no, that's just that board. Oh, we're we're still on. Oh, great. Yeah, I mean, every show I've been listening to has has had this. I thought it was just us. It's. I wanted to talk to the station folks about that actually, um, but it's bad uh, wiring.
2: I would say. Okay. Well, or, or some blown component in one of these ancient Altec Lansing thanks, Pegasus mixing boards. Well, I, at some point we got to hunt, hunt it
1: down and eliminate the cause. Oh, you're um, right. That's great. Cause that controls. Yeah, I gotcha. Oh man, that is so good. Cause yeah, I've been listening to these. Um, I guess while music's
2: playing, it doesn't, you yeah. know, it doesn't matter as much. And we can just turn that, that, those sliders down when we're not listening to music, which is most of the time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But, um, so, so we were talking rehab, no, just like, yeah, support from family, um, rehabs versus you know DIY this was a DIY rehab that's what that was that's basically what happened um cost-effective DIY bootstrapped rehab and I have to be grateful for it and I am not I have to be I am um and so that was something of interest and also I was um I've been hanging out in the... Shall we switch gears a little bit? or? Do you oh,
2: have... I was just uh, flipping through a list of celebrity. Oh, there you go. celebrities that have gone through rehab. And it's an entirely unsurprising list. Like, you know, Names that you would expect to be on it are on it. <laughs> Dennis Rodman, Gary Busey, Heidi Fleiss, Jamie Foxworth, Jeff Conaway, uh, 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 Lisa D'Amato, Mackenzie Phillips... I mean, you know, people.
1: This is, this is public information, folks. Public information. <laughs> um, it's not like you have to engage in a, a request for information. What is that called? Public information request that people have to do to the government when they want documents that are sealed. FOIA request? <laughs> yeah, something like Freedom that. of, freedom oh, freedom of, of information. information Act, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and that came up in John Oliver, too. Uh, he was saying that, like, it's very hard to access any complaints that have been made against rehabs and that that you would actually I'm taking him at his word, folks, again, that you would have to do that freedom of information, whatever request and wait months to get all these documents and sift through them to find out, you know, any negative experiences people have had or reported. Uh, um, I'm taking him at his word. Oh, from the FDA or something along those lines? S I P C F. F... FINRA, <laughs> this is like all these SIPC, uh, what, FDIC.
2: Well, you know, they're a comedy. John Oliver is a comedy program, but they, they do actual journalism and research and it's, a, you know, sometimes they, I mean, it's, they always dig up something funny, but it's also sad and depressing news as well. But They, they do their research, they dig and they, they come up with stuff and they, uh, I don't know that they've ever been involved in a, a lawsuit over a FOIA request that was denied by the government, but it wouldn't surprise me to
1: learn that they Got had. it. Okay, okay. Anyways, uh, what are we shifting gears to? Oh, well, I was going to say, I'm just thinking about basically like what's been on my mind or what I've been up to recently, and um, inevitably, guys, it all relates to recovery, <laughs> everything. Um My whole, hey, my whole life is predicated on recovery. Um, so I, uh, I've been, what's all the commotion out there? Hey, it's probably, it's probably a bunch of drugs. (laughs)
0: Like,
1: um. It's Friday night in the Mission District. It's
0: Friday night. Na, 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 na. What a night. (laughs)
1: Um, so I was, uh, I've been hanging out in the TL Weekly doing some, uh, community service. Tooting my horn, toot, toot. Um. Oh, yeah. You know what? I'm I'm actually going to say that I think it's good to... Some people are like community service volunteer toot your horn shamers. And I actually think that like if you don't, if you're not too pompous about it or really at all, but you're sharing it um, with people when it's relevant... That it's actually good because you may actually inspire other people to engage in community service. Because in this, in San Francisco, I mean, well, anywhere, but well, maybe not anywhere. I mean, San Francisco, we have a big drug problem, <laughs> um, and uh, and the TL's like not looking that good. And I, I suppose it hasn't been for a long time. And I don't know. People say that it's all getting worse or whatever. I don't know. That's what I hear. But I'm hanging out there of late weekly and um i'm uh i'm starting to snap some photos as well just just happened organically so i think i'm just going to continue doing that um just uh engaging in my observations musings sharing that um maybe on on social media or with friends and stuff because it's just giving me some pause but it's it's interesting to see all the stuff that's going on and there's like there's hella hip coffee shops in the tl There's great restaurants. There's also people hunched over sleeping on the sidewalk.
2: There's at least a couple 24-hour diners in in the TL. Well, and I guess the Tender Knob. Oh, really? Um, Yeah. There's the
1: Pine. Oh, Pine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't, sorry. I don't remember. I didn't mean to cut you off. I don't remember the name, but I know that one. That's the one that's getting closer to like the quote, "hotel district," yeah. in square, yeah, 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 night owl or something is nearby, I think. Um, yes, I have been there once, blast blitzed, um, and uh so yeah, so hanging out there, walking around, just spending some time, I went to um last week when I was there for my commitment i uh I made the mistake of driving. It was a huge mistake huge mistake. Where would you park it? Yeah, I parked it. I found one space. I was circling around for half an hour uh-huh. and I found one space. It was metered, put money in the meter and it was only good for two hours. So I stepped away from my commitment, went to go repark the car, spent another half hour looking for a spot and I ended up parking in the same spot. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, if they chalked my tires, I hope it rubbed away. Oh, <laughs> I man. was just, it got me thinking about like, well, how do they assess you know what? I, okay. So here's my question. Do they now. chalk tires anymore? Well, okay. I have a number of questions. If it says 2 hours only at this meter, right? I put the money, I moved it at 2 hours. Now can I go park at another meter on the same block? Can I park in another meter on the same street? Can I circle around for half an hour and park at that same meter? You know what? I don't get, I don't get it. For another 2 hours?
2: Talk to a meter maid to find out. Lovely Rita,
1: meter maid. Where would I be without you? dee dee da da So then I made the mistake of parking, but that gave me some flexibility when I had some time. After the commitment, I had some time on the meter. So I went to Shalimar, one of my favorite restaurants of all time. Um, and man, walking through the TL, going to Shalimar, yeah, I saw all kinds of stuff. Um, there's a lot of community centers and and outreach and stuff as well. You see that a lot of buildings. There's also like all kinds of crazy liquor stores, um, restaurants, obviously housing, all kinds of different housing, um, people do all kinds of different people on the street. I saw, I see, I suppose I shouldn't be surprised, but now having spent some, a couple months there weekly, I see drug dealing happening in broad daylight at all the at all these intersections oh yeah i'm seeing the guy i'm walking i'm walking past at the intersection with one guy who has a wad of cash in his hand and the other guy who just got the product right i'm just (laughs) walking between them just minding my own business you know it's
2: it can be an open-air drug mart there it's kind of amazing i mean depressing too It's, uh, yeah, there's
1: some dedicated drug addicts living right there in the TL. But you know what? Talking to my mom, I've been talking to everybody about recovery and sobriety and addiction lately. Talking to my mom earlier today, she mentioned something interesting on on that note. And that was, I was telling her about my experiences in the TL and she has some familiarity with it, but obviously she's like, I don't know. She's probably spent like an hour in the TL in her life. But, um. But, um, she was saying, well, what about, what about the truffle man in Dolores Park? You know, the truffle man in Dolores Park has Yelp reviews. He has like five stars on Yelp. He's a drug dealer, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like Wait, truffles aren't drugs. No, these truffles are drug infused truffles. The, the truffle man is, is, is selling, has been selling for a decade as far as I know, um, drug truffles, uh. Hey, I'm not saying I know from personal experience, okay? Oh, you're talking about uh chocolate truffles. Yeah, not, like not
2: the fungus.
1: Yes, yes, correct. Yeah, yeah. Ah. Chocolate truffles that are infused with well, perhaps psilocybin, and perhaps uh-huh. mescaline, and perhaps uh MDMA and perhaps uh THC. Um Well, if he has a positive Yelp review, then He yeah. has like guys go look at the truffle man in Dolores Park on Yelp he's positively reviewed that guy's a drug dealer you know why am i me- why am i angry at these drug dealers in the TL this guy is drug dealing with impunity in Dolores Park i'm just saying this i'm yeah, i'm just sparking this you know question <laughs> like yeah because there's classes of drugs and there's socioeconomics behind who gets to use it and and the police turn, you know, are are fine with all the well, neer do wells in, in Dolores Park consuming any drug that they want to be drinking open container.
2: Oh well often they're like young tech bros and tech yeah. ladies and uh me. hanging out and having their San Francisco experience where they're you know, they're getting blasted in Dolores famous Dolores Park, upper playground. You know? <laughs> Like, uh, like they're having the, like people come from all over the world to experience San Francisco and there they are getting to sample the best from the truffle dude.
1: Dolores Park, Drug Central, just like the TL. Oh, my mom asked, she says, where is Shadow Lady and Madeline? and Bob Madison only you and Pegasus Sorry, she sounds disappointed <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> like. well you know it's good having hearing those other voices they uh, they do bring something
1: And, uh, she says, Oh, she, my parents, I took them to Dolores park like a year ago. And, and my dad was just fascinated. We, we spotted the truffle man. We were at a higher vantage up higher on the hill and he was just doing his thing. And my dad was like, Whoa, really? And, um, and we were obviously like, we were at the top on the bench, getting the great view and people were all smoking pot. And, um, and I was just joking around with my dad and then, Oh, that's the truffle man. And I explained things. And, um, yeah my my mom asked where the other regulars are and then she also says in dolores park regular people are doing all the drugs including tech pros i think she meant tech bros and doctors and businessmen with truffles and drugs <laughs> i took a video and i took pictures of it of the truffle man <laughs> yeah i forgot <laughs> my,
2: my parents, investigative journalist. my parents
1: took all kinds of pictures of the truffle man because they were so fascinated how funny! With him like just cool. impu- dealing with impunity, but you know what? I mean, then of course it's like I don't know, man. Somehow whatever's happening in the TL seems bad and sad, and whatever's happening in is Dolores Park seems
2: fine. Is it? Yeah. Is that like, because? Is that a classist like,
1: thing? Is it I a socioeconomic
2: thing? Oh. We don't. We don't like the people who are, you know, buying the drugs in in the TL. So we're less likely to, you know, to express that kind of libertine philosophy towards them.
1: Well, I think, you know what? I got to say, there's got to be something. Look, I'm just shooting from the hip. I, I'm living life by the seat of my pants. I'm, uh, you know, I don't know what I'm talking about, but there's got to be institutional racism, classism. There's all this stuff going on. But I do think, after thinking about this and talking about it with my mom and roommate today, I do think we're also talking about the actual drugs which are being consumed. You know, my impression is that in the TL, you're probably looking at heroin and meth primarily, mm-hmm. and in Dolores Park, you're probably not looking at heroin and meth. Oh, uh, that's a good <laughs> you point. Know? And so I do think that while I'm sure that all this stuff has to do with all kinds of oppression and racism and stuff. Uh-huh. I think that's probably the big delineator in this ta- in this sort of. No, that's a good situation. point.
2: There's probably a fair amount of weed and uh, mushrooms, m- weed mushrooms, maybe peyote or mescaline. Yeah. Um, badger, d- badger,
1: badger, badger. Mushroom, mushroom, mushroom. Remember that was like the first meme. No idea what you're talking uh, about. It was like a flash animation. Oh, okay. Um, Hey, dating myself. Yeah. Dating myself, too, because I can't get any dates out there. Um, 415-5500-511. You're listening to High Spirits on MutinyRadio.fm.
2: Give this man a date.
1: Oh, yeah. Jay (laughs) Quellen needs it. Needs the love. So, uh, yeah, experiences in the TL. So, just... Lots of interesting stuff. There was a guy who, um, a couple weeks ago I saw had, like, you know, uh, something like a tinfoil hat on, legit, and then was crouched over doing stuff with his bike, which was placing bagels with cream cheese like in the spokes of the bike in addition to tassels and other colorful things
2: well that seems like a you know an efficient way to transport your bagels
1: yeah coffee meets bagel y'all um so i was like yeah okay well there's something going on with this guy i don't know i just i just shoot from the hip i'm like it's schizophrenia or something Whoa, what is that a picture a of? A friend
2: of mine took a wow. picture of of this oh. contraption in a park in the Mission recently. Okay, I'm looking. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it wasn't Dolores, but it starts over here.
1: What is that?
2: It's uh that's like a foil-lined uh like cigar holder or something that go it's that's going into an airline like one of those little air airline you know booze bottles oh yeah and and so there's one two three (laughs) four five six seven eight (laughs) nine of these little airline you know one-shot bottles that have holes drilled in them that are screwed into each other and then sealed and it's like the Ouroboros of of crack pipes or something it was just the most uh unusual looking contraption and what what was it for is it was it for crack or meth or heroin it's really hard to tell but it looked like it looked like it was constructed with care and precision like every joint is drilled with some what looks to be a drill and then sealed over with some kind of electrical tape it's wow unusual
1: that is yes (laughs) that is interesting it's like
2: Seen on the streets of San Francisco. Anyway, well,
1: I hope all of you listeners at home were able to visualize. Uh, Pegasus is quite good at Pictionary, uh, or wait, what is it? Not uh, charades, right? Or I don't know. Wait, what is it?
2: Life is but a charade. <laughs> um, oh, all, all of let's see. Life is all of life is on a stage, and we are but the players. No, wait, I'm mixing up. My, is that
1: some Shakespeare stuff? Shakespeare. Um, so hey, Shakespeare was a drug addict. I'm just going to start spreading all this bullshit, you know, right? Like, (laughs) Hey, like all this misinformation, Alex Jones asks stuff like me, me Mila. Oh shoot. Whoa. Well, I heard the Bush, the
2: Bush family was deep into the cocaine business.
1: Oh, yeah, you They're know,
2: practically and, a cartel themselves, you
1: know, hey, dams, Republicans, it's all it's all the same thing. The Kennedy family was bootlegging whiskey from Canada. I did actually like I, apparently I fact checked that at some point and found out that I think it wasn't true, but I could be I could be
2: wrong. Was it true that Trump's was it Trump's father or granddaddy owned owned and operated a, a brothel in British Columbia?
1: Yeah, I don't really.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, uh, that,
2: that's. <laughs> I mean, that that, that. that I I work with a handful of Canadians, and um, they were very, you know, when, whenever I brought up uh, what's his name, the mayor of Toronto, the Boris was, Johnson. Oh wait, no. Uh, uh, John Ford was it? Um, who was a he was a drug addict and eventually died of. I don't think it was. I think he died of heart failure. Anyways, he um, they they would immediately bring up Trump, Trump and repeat some trope they'd heard about him, like oh, his grandfather. Like the family business, real estate empire, got started with a, oh boy. a hotel in BC that was uh, that was operated as a brothel, and um, that's where the family fortune began.
1: That's how that's how it all started. Anybody with money out there, guys, they were operating just vice businesses. You know, you gotta look out for that. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) so if you're just joining us, you know, we're just being a little tongue in cheek here, Um, but uh, yeah, throwing out the uh, I forgot where I was, but um, yeah. So back to the TL. Really good, really good coffee spots. Um, all the UC Hastings is out there. So you got all the, the like uh, wide eyed, you know, law students who don't know any better living in that stuffy ass tower um, between Civic Center and TL. And uh, then you have all the civil servants, the federal employees, the people, Civic Center. I was like, Why? Why is all this stuff happening next to the Civic Center? Um, I wonder. And then they have their farmer's market like every day in the midst of all that craziness.
2: Oh, uh, in the Civic Center. The Civic Center.
1: Yeah. Sort of on the edge.
2: And it's a pretty good farmer's market.
1: Yeah. The veggies looked looked really good. Um, So, yeah, I'm just... Walking around, taking the bus, just a man on the street in the TL. I'm so special. (laughs) Well, here
2: it is in Wikipedia. Sorry, I'm jumping back to the Trump family. Oh, cool. Yeah, no, please. Um, Frederick Trump, uh, born...
1: Trump, by the way, that they changed to Trump.
2: Born... Trump. Friedrich Trump. Uh, Born in 1869, lived to 1918, was a German-American businessman and the patriarch of the Trump family, Um, uh, born in the kingdom of Bavaria. And blah, 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 blah. a allegedly made his fortune by operating restaurants and brothels in Seattle and the mining town of Monte Carlo um, and brothels in the Klondike Gold Rush. He later returned to Kallstadt and married. Various affi- authorities accused him of emigrating when he was too young to avoid fulfilling his military sentence. Yada da Anyway, so that's the um, that's the rumor. Allegedly is the allegedly. Yeah, is the uh the adjective. So
1: who the heck knows? Um. Oh. <clears throat> yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, that guy. Um. I try to stay out of it, man. I just keep, I just keep my head down. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm definitely excited to be getting involved in you know community shit in SF. Just the community shit. Just getting to know people in my community, um, whether it's the recovery community or the TL community or you know work or my neighborhood. What are you doing
2: in the TL? Can you talk about it? Or does that have to remain secret? I suppose, secret? yeah,
1: I won't, I won't go into the specifics, but it's it's just like, uh, you know, it's just like uh, serving some members of the community. Oh, sorry. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's just providing some services to nice. a lot of people in the community, a certain segment, and um, there's all kinds of segments right like based on age and race and and um and uh type of ailment and mental illness and whatever so it's just like a segment of people who are somehow disadvantaged it's cool just uh you know we're i mean i'm just like i mean i feel like it's tough to live in san francisco to make ends meet and stuff here but you know it's sort of like things aren't really um too bad for me uh I have a lot of fun in the city i love san francisco so i think it's uh, probably i think it should require should be required for people to get some perspective um just like that John Oliver segment should be required viewing for everyone in the recovery community. Yes, I said it. Required reading. These are these are but suggestions. Not required. Yeah. What you looking for? A phone number. Oh, yeah. Oh. We gonna get some phone calls. Are we gonna get some... Randy! Um, I checked out comedy. Oh, back to the, back to the earlier talk, back to what I was thinking about setting the agenda for, for this meeting, all the fun shit I get up to in the mission in San Francisco. Well, on Monday, um, I went to, uh, well, our station manager is a comedian extraordinaire comedian, I E N N E. Um, extraordinaire. She was on our first show. She really was a show stopper, show stealer. She's a pro. Um, she told a few of us about a comedy thing that happens at Blondie's. So I was at Blondie's and I brought some friends. Actually, one of my friends who is a foreigner, God forbid, uh, who has never been to a stand up, has never seen stand up in her life. And uh, she was thrilled. Um, and so there were a bunch of comics. It was at Blondie's and I found out there's a woman who organizes it and it's every first and third Monday of the month at Blondie's, I think starting around eight or eight thirty. There were a bunch of comics. I love supporting. I, I have a very low bar for performing arts. So I love like just going out and seeing people. I think it takes a lot of courage and I really respect, even if it's like, even if it's like not funny or or it doesn't resonate with me or whatever, but there was there were a lot of laughs. It was really great, and um, our station manager was the headliner, so it was awesome to come out there. And she's awesome, and all the other comics were awesome. And I was sitting at the bar at Blondie's, okay, on Monday night, and yeah, there were quite a few people there—tourists, locals, and. I bought my friends, you know, what, 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 like, I think I was kicked out of Blondie's once. That's like a point, point of pride or a badge of honor that I was wearing. And I used to go all the time, like a decade ago in my heyday, um, running around as they running and gunning, you know, uh, running and gunning in the mission and trashed at Blondie's or always hanging out near 16th and Valencia, all those great bars, Casanova lounge, whatever. Um, and, Well, here I was, I think for the first time in my life, sober, having fun at Blondies, buying those, uh, you know, I I was telling my friends, oh, they're known for their martinis. They have 30 different martinis and they're mind erasers. Like they pour a (laughs) lot. They're like the milkshakes. They pour the in the glass and then they have the tumbler, (laughs) you know, and um, and. So I actually bought one for my friend who had never been to stand up. Um it was something fruity and uh and then my other buddy showed up and I was like, "Oh, hey, I have some of this." And um yeah, you know? I mean, navigated that. I'm not I'm not um advocating at all that a person should necessarily like should should feel comfortable going to a bar. Uh, and ordering drinks for their friends. Um, But that was an experience that I had, and I firmly believe that I was able to successfully navigate it without an obsession to drink, having fun at the show um, with my friends, not getting engaging in bad behavior, getting uh, emotional and getting kicked out of blondies this time because of the program that I'm involved in. And uh, through active participation, I was able to navigate that. And I, I hope, I wish that for, although it may not be for everyone, and um, everyone has different needs and uh, in their recovery and their journey and different tolerances, and there can be slippery places and unsafe places that a person just shouldn't go to. But it is a wish that I have in my heart that people are able to enjoy themselves, especially in places where potentially where, uh, you know, it was, it seemed like an impossibility to be sober and, and happy and free, um, and engage in productive, useful behavior. Uh, so that was really wonderful. I, yeah, I didn't realize it's the first time I was at Blondie's, um, sober, uh, and not consuming those mind erasers good for you. Thanks. It
2: always I mean, you know, for for people like us who are not normies. Um it's nice to experience the world through clear eyes and and to see how, you know, it once was for us and and you know, accept that that's how it was and but to enjoy the world through you know, through a clear brain, you know, a brain that is not erased that can be um or we can Enjoy our senses rather than have them be all, uh, you know, blurred and uh, overwhelmed with that anesthetic called a- ethanol. Um,
1: are we going to have some callers? I think soon. I got a text from some people. Oh, good. Uh, who might be calling in, might be some regulars calling in from. Reporting the the man and women and whatever pronoun from the street. Oh, okay. Hit the so I hit uh, the white button.
2: Yeah. And then bring up the phone. Hello. Who do
1: we have here?
3: It's this hotline, it, Blake. Oh, you're on. <laughs> you
2: you have to hit the white button and hang it
3: up. Can you hear me?
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, we can hear you. Hello. Hello. Good. Hang it up.
3: Hey. Can you hear us? Hello. Um, Who's this? That's better. Hey, it's Shadow Lady. Whoa,
1: Shadow Lady.
3: Hi guys. You just
1: couldn't uh, resist.
3: I was in the middle of packing, and I saw the time. I was like, just watching a ton of Beyonce music videos, and I noticed the time, and I was like, Hey, it's Friday. Let me see what my buddies are up to.
2: It's nice to hear your voice. I missed yeah,
3: you. And it was perfect timing. I was like listening and I heard about my friend. Oh, <laughs> we don't to be looking for a job right now. I don't
1: know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh. I was just keeping it general.
3: Okay, But funny with that story, though, because I. Are you I hanging out with our
1: mutual friend right now?
3: Who's mutual friend?
1: Our mutual friend.
3: Making out. What do you
1: mean? No, hanging out. <laughs> Sorry.
3: Oh. No. No, I'm okay. by myself. Okay.
1: Okay. Um, no, that's cool. But...
3: That was my guilt talking. I thought you were talking about something else. Like.
1: <laughs> wait. Are Are you? Hey, no. I'm like. Wait. Are you doing no. that too? <laughs> no. No, oh, that's funny. That's not what no, I was talking I'm about. I'm
3: for my trip.
1: Where are you headed? Can you talk about it?
3: Yeah. Yes, I can. Actually, I am heading to, um, it's still in California. I'm going to Long Beach. Uh, I fly out tomorrow and then I am, um, either Ubering or taking a car and driving to, I think it's called Santa Clarita.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Valley. Valley. That's, uh, that's rehab central.
3: Oh, no way. Wow. Maybe I belong there. Right now But I'm kidding I'm going for a friend's 40th birthday party Nice He's uh, throwing one at his house And he lives by the beach So I'm going to be surrounded by A lot of alcohol and drugs
1: Oh really? Yeah But these are good
3: friends? Uh, It is a friend from San Francisco So a good friend A good new friend for like the last two years. Nice. Yeah. So
1: you won't you you won't really know the other people at the party.
3: No, like the people that live in San Francisco that I do know from hanging out with this new good friend for the last two years aren't actually going to be able to make it. Gotcha. So I'm only gonna know the birthday person.
0: Gotcha.
1: Um, so have you uh you could hit up some meetings out there right or i guess how long are you gone for just a couple days or
3: i'm there until monday
1: oh yeah so i don't know i mean if you yeah if you oh i suppose everybody has access to transportation now (laughs) or 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 the wealthy of
3: course or Lyft.
1: um exactly so you could look up like santa clarita aa um and see what meetings mm-hmm. they have. In a pinch, and I have like that,
3: like little app with a blue chair.
1: Yeah, meeting guides. Hey, yeah. y'all! If you're out there and looking for a meeting and you have a smartphone, download meeting guides. It's so awesome. Like we, we're all using it. Um, there's a yeah, and uh, I don't really know much else, but I know me and all my all the people that I talk to use it. And um, just like Shadow Lady's saying, like you just pull it up and it shows you where all the meetings near you are. Um, mm-hmm. if it's able to, if that, the app is able to pull from the, um, the local website or whatever, I don't know all the technical stuff. Pegasus probably knows better, but in, in some localities, it may not be able to pull the information, but I've seen it work pretty much everywhere in California that I've been to.
2: It's pretty good. There's also in the rooms.
1: I'm not sure if it's a better
3: What's that one?
2: in the rooms. It's, um, a friend of ours who, uh, I don't want to say their name because they don't have another
1: oh you mean remote meet like virtual meetings
2: it does that but it also lists I think it lists in person meetings anyways that one's called in the rooms it does virtual I gotta meetings check
3: that out. I want to try it
2: yeah yeah and in the rooms is a little more online it has forums you can post messages get support from people That that kind of thing it's pretty cool
3: Nice. Yeah. So what have you guys been, um, what are you talking about?
1: Well, just you should have tuned into the show earlier. Oh, <laughs> just I getting heard, uh, J. Quellen going buck wild here. with voices. Oh, sorry to interrupt you.
3: Mm-hmm. Buck wild. J. J. J.
2: Quellen's favorite uh, celebrity impersonation is
1: Steve Urkel. Stefan, oh uh, Steve Urkel or <laughs> Stefan Urkel. Pegasus. Right. <laughs> there's Stefan Urkel, who everyone who all the nerds want to be. I'm like feeling up my bate. Uh-huh. Just he's so sexy, so hot. And then there's Steve Urkel.
3: Wow. What about um have you guys heard of Heavy D?
1: Uh yeah, the rapper?
3: Yeah, I just learned about him like two days ago. Me and
1: Heavy D up in what the happened? limousine. What happened?
3: I just learned about this artist called um, Heavy D and yeah. uh, I was watching one of his music videos and it reminded me of like Fat Joe, but like in the 90s funk. <laughs> it was pretty awesome.
2: Oh, I thought you were going to say something like he
1: OD'd or... Yeah.
3: <laughs> probably. Should I look it up? <laughs>
1: hey, he's probably he, he might be dead. I don't know. <laughs>
3: But, you know, we have to be careful Try not killing people that are actually not dead yet.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: Sorry about that.
3: I think I've done that to some artists before. Because, like, I know their track record. And if I haven't heard any new songs from them, I'm always asking, like, are they dead? <laughs>
1: like, <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so anyways, um, are you, so you're looking forward to the trip?
3: I am. Oh my God. I forgot to tell you guys. So I was at work earlier and, um, one of my coworkers, uh, she had mentioned to me while she was getting ready to go out tonight and she was showing me like her outfit and, um, I forgot how we got to the conversation but I had mentioned that I was like sober and she was actually very grateful to learn that I'm sober because she asked me what my plans were for Friday and I said I usually go to a meeting and then I hang out with my friends and do the podcast and um, she said that a lot of her friends who are like DJs and musicians and a bunch of them just came back from Burning Man like someone in their circle just passed away like two days ago.
0: Oh. And oh, that's sad. I
3: think it was just because like he was a combination of like overweight and also just like a lot of like drugs and alcohol. And he like passed away in his sleep.
1: Did he pass away at Burning Man?
3: No, I think he passed away like here. Like, oh, okay, they got yeah. back already. Gotcha. And gotcha. she was saying that she's really grateful to know that I'm sober because yeah, um, it's, she feels like in their circle it's not really talked about so much
0: Hmm, and
3: she was like pretty happy because I told her I was like hey anytime you want to come with me or you know you don't have to like make any decisions right now you could just take a break
1: cool so you were able to extend a hand and be a be a beacon of hope it's a kind offering to make
0: yeah
3: well, I feel like that's what happened with me because I was partying in the club and one of my friends that I was like partying with, he's sober and he was actually the one pouring a champagne, but he's sober.
1: Oh, yeah. That's like that's Jake Quellen's style right there.
3: I know. That's why I was like thinking. I was like, oh, start referring to myself in the third person. <laughs> Who's that?
1: That's me, Jake Wellen. It's like a little boy. <laughs> um, I'm Danny. So Danny. Hey, uh, Danny. So, yeah. So um, right. Right. Pouring the things. Dude, I, I mean, just like I uh, once. Yeah, I've had a lot of bachelor parties and weddings in sobriety. And one time we all went to Scottsdale and um, I contributed in a number of ways. We all had different roles. And one was that I was the all-time sober driver of a huge Ford Econoline van that we rented that fit like, gosh, 15 people. I don't know. It, was, it seemed like a lot. Wow. And everyone was just shenanigans and and uh, all over the place. People are like drunk and telling me to run red lights and stuff like I'm like, yeah. shut up. Um but they super appreciated it, and then I also was responsible for the whole bottle service setup coordination at Dirk Bentley's Whiskey Lounge, which is in downtown Scottsdale, like super hip, all like hey. short skirts and heels and button ups, uh, guys, and and everybody's trash, super young. There's the ASU, the state universities out there, and. Um, and then also um, it was spring training going on out there at the same time too but i remember like i got the bill and it was like you know it was like $5,000 or something you How know i mean I it wasn't like that much but it was like $1,000 for the oh, bo- okay. for the bottle service and everyone split it we were all splitting it but i was sort of like i suppose i don't know i chuckled to myself i was proud i was being of service all these kinds of things i was i was laughing to myself that like Dude, I am like stone-cold sober, in recovery, and I am uh, organizing bottle service and put $1,000 on my credit card.
3: (laughs) You have to laugh. It's an interesting position to be in, for sure. For sure. Position!
1: (laughs) Oh, That was too loud, sorry. Oh
3: my goodness. Uh,
1: there are all these revelers outside actually like making noise and they they actually look pretty clean cut like young the button up young crowd just reveling. Friday
3: night. People are out. It's Friday so, um, night. I got an invite to go to a cigar bar tonight.
1: Whoa, whoa. The one in Jackson Square?
3: I don't know. Is there a live bar in that one? There's
1: a place called Cigar Bar where they have music and wine bar and cigar smoking. Ah, it, it's a, it's a cool spot. It's it's um it's in Jackson Square. I don't know if that's the okay. one.
3: But... It might be. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah, I actually like cigar bars. I haven't been to one in a really long time. Right? Pegasus to go to what's called in New York. It was I think they like, called the Velvet Lounge.
1: Pegasus might know.
3: But, yeah, I have not been to one here in San Francisco.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. So I think um, that's good. Like, you're going to have fun, change of scenery, decompress, enjoy your friend's birthday. But, um, yeah, it might be cool to uh, look up, see what meetings there might be if you needed to go one in, in a pinch. It could also be fun to just, like, Definitely go to one and just introduce yourself. Hey, I'm new. I'm just out here for this thing. Meet some people. I always have fun. I always try to make it a point to, uh, like for fun to get to a uh, meeting when I'm traveling. Um, And uh, I don't know. I just look forward to, you know, one thing I realized recently is that, I mean, I'm an extrovert. That's what it is. And I love really? that I love that we can meet. Are you joking? Oh yeah. Um, I love that you just meet new people in the rooms and and it's like discussion and, and hugging, shaking hands, whatever. So anyways, and there's like meetings everywhere. It's always fun. so I always like to introduce myself when they ask inevitably at the meeting if there are any um, anyone new to the meeting or any out of towners. I went to a, a cool meeting in Portland a few months ago, um, and uh, that was fun.
3: How was the vibe there? Because I've been to meetings in New York, and I definitely really like the vibe.
1: Oh, wow. Hold on. Real quick. Is it almost mm. midnight? It's what? Wow. Man, we... We can just really talk. <laughs> so, yeah, New York, what's the vibe like? I heard it's, quote, hardcore.
3: Well, the one that I went to was um, actually, I don't know. I, it felt it felt like home for me. Oh, cool. I lived there for a good amount of time. And it was, like, people my age, people looking like, hmm, no one like super young in the meeting that I was in, but it seemed like a lot of young professionals. And I actually went with um, one of my friends. She's also sober now, but we used to like use together. Um, we were we became friends in the restaurant business. Like we were both servers, and it was it was nice like actually having that experience of like having a friendship that where you both used to use before and drink and then like having the friendship stay intact and now like we're both sober so that was like a nice experience oh
1: very cool Very cool, New York. Do you guys look-
3: have any friends like that, like friends that you've used and then like now you're sober together?
1: Oh, uh, oh, I see. Um, yeah, actually, I was gonna say no. I have two friends that are really good friends of mine. Mm-hmm. Actually, from yeah, from the old days, um, growing up together, and. We've stayed in touch over the years to some degree, um, limited degree maybe, and then reconnected. And uh, they've gotten sober and and have asked me questions about how it works. You know, I remember, I think one of them checked in and was like, are you still doing that thing? Are Are you still sober? That's my impression of that friend. And they, that friend has been sober now for almost a year. And uh, went to a few meetings in the beginning, and we talked a lot about it, and then that friend decided not to continue uh, with, the, uh, with the AA route, but seems to be doing pretty well. So, um, And then the other friend lives overseas and uh, had some crazy stuff going on. All right, Pegasus is out.
2: It was great talking to you all. I'm just too bushed. I gotta go. Thanks, Pegasus. Good night.
1: Good night. We'll be done here soon, too. Um, And uh, bushwhacked. So um, then that person is overseas, and they had a bunch of issues. And, uh, you know, we're there. We're, We're available. People hear or see that we've... Turned our lives around and that we're living successfully relatively successfully sober and they are like, uh, oh, are you still doing that? How do you do that? And, you know, ask questions. Well, here are all the tools. This is what I do in the program therapy. This yeah. and that we were talking earlier. I was sharing earlier about how it's a full court press for me. Like it's not just I mean, the program is like the basis for me, but it's really? not just that it's also like therapy is huge um, totally. and other communities are really big. Wow, there's like a fight emerging like outside here. Or going something. to
3: the gym also. It's
1: oh yeah, yeah, that's part of the to full court like press. A big
3: thing For me.
1: Yeah. Yep. I think. Um,
3: that's cool. I
1: think we're gonna wrap up here um, because.
3: Yeah, I'm glad I caught you guys. Well.
1: Yeah, I think we'll. I think we'll wrap up. I'm just thinking like if I can play something on the way out. Um, Shadow Lady, say some stuff while I figure out. I was going
3: to ask about like we play some (laughs) heavy D. (laughs) All right.
1: Yeah, let me look for that. You, You tell the listeners some bullshit with the listeners for a second while I look that up.
3: Sure. So speaking of AA, I went to a meeting today. And it was a beginner-step meeting, and we actually read about how it works. And that was something that I needed to hear again and again. And um, I was able to share these things that, like, I read today with someone who I met on Bumble, who was also going the sober route. And um, we actually have the same sober birth date. So one of the things that's really powerful is called like 90 and 90, which is you go to 90 meetings for the first 90 days of your sobriety. And I don't think that's really in the book, but that's like, Something that my sponsor has told me, and I've heard from a bunch of different people. But also, um, from what I read today at that meeting about how it works, basically, I am on, so there's like 12 steps to it. And I think this is actually Christian based. And um,
1: what, the meeting that you went to was different from AA?
3: No, no, no. I'm saying like the 12 step program. Oh, yeah, Christian yeah.
1: Based. Well, yeah. I mean, you know what? You're always bringing up good topics for next time at the end of our shows. Perfect. I know it is, Shadow Lady. So please, like, put a pin in that and, like, let's talk about that next time. Like, because you're, you're, like, sort of reading my mind. Um, I've been really interested in revisiting. Um, the history of AA, you know, right? And, totally. And um, so, so I think we can come up with some uh, some good points there, some outlines, and discuss yeah, maybe I'll some things. Yeah, I'll ask
3: my sponsor because she just got back and she went to um, where this whole thing started,
1: Akron, like, Ohio. Where the
3: bill and um,
1: so she went to Akron.
3: She did. Yes. She went to Ohio, Akron, Ohio. Yeah, I
1: mean, they have, uh, I mean, they have the, their houses and stuff like, I don't know, turned into museums or something or so I heard, Apparently, but she can, she can yeah. tell us. Yeah. Okay. Yep, she so, went. Oh wait, so let's, yeah, get a, get a download of that. Um, and I'll, I'll bring some, uh, there's some good, uh, AA conference approved literature that's about the history of the program. And I can, I can, uh, get some quotable quotes from that. And I think we can have a pretty lively discussion about the history and the origins. And um, inevitably we're going to be talking about the Oxford group and Carl Jung and all kinds of interesting cats. Um, that sounds like a plan. I'm going to tr- try to turn on this heavy D. Give us a second here. Woo-hoo. Heavy D.
3: Are you having any luck? Yeah. All right, now well, tell me what you got.
1: Shadow Lady, thanks. Um, thanks to all our fans and our listeners. Thanks to Shadow Lady for calling in. Thanks to Pegasus, who is off to sleepy time. I'm your co-host with Pegasus, Jay Quellen, and uh, we'll come back at you next Week, I actually might not be here. Oh, I'll definitely not be here, but uh, hopefully, Shadow Lady, Pegasus, and some of the other gang will be here taking you out with some heavy D, y'all. Stay fresh. Jake Wellen out. This is High Spirits. Is Jake Wellen signing off. High Spirits, Midview Radio. FM. Peace.
3: We went to school and I schooled up, but not like this. We can toss and turn, rumble, tumble and twirl. Anything you want, I give it. Fantasies, will live it, so let's relax.
0: Loving
3: my lady, lady of my baby girl. Spread your wings so we can fly around the world. Harmony, charm of me, your fingertips are calming me. When you drop the kisses, Susie Q, you drop the bomb on me. Stretch it, stretch it, flex it, flex it. Give me the permission, okie dokie, I bless it. Bless it like Buddha, Buddha as a best.
0: Radio out of the Flat Black
2: Plastic Joe. Thanks for listening. Go to the website. Donate money. Come down. We hear people tell funny stories. Come back.
3: spiritual psychology with Renee McKenna I'm a therapist and healer here in San Francisco and if you want real change on a soul level you've come to the right place So, welcome everybody to Spiritual Psychology. My name is Renee McKenna and I'm a therapist in San Francisco. And I'm so excited. I have live guests this morning. I've only had dead guests up to this <laughs> point, and it's really, really fun when they're alive. And so, I have um, Carl Berger, who's originally from Maine mm-hmm. and, um, you know, East Coast. East Coast. Totally represent. Yeah. 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 He traded out. Now he's in the other Portland. Yep. On the other coast, which is this coast.
2: This coast, the other, the other one, yeah.
0: And so, how's it been going? Are you here for the comedy festival?
2: Yeah, I came down on Friday and been here throughout the weekend, uh, doing a lot of shows, been on a lot of different podcasts. It's been a blast to uh, to meet a bunch of like really kind of weird, unique, individual people and uh, funny comedians and uh, see their shows, see their style of humor, and then hang out afterwards. It's been nice to just kind of.
0: Stand around and spin a yarn. Awesome. Awesome.